welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Practitioner Radio, episode 36 for the year ending 2012. Troy, it's the end of 2012. Can you believe it? Time has gone by fast. 36 episodes uh, every two weeks. I don't know how long, I wonder when the very first, let me look up real quick and see when the first Practitioner Radio was, because time is moving fast. Let me see. So, because today's our end of year review. Our very first practitioner radio was January 24th, 2011. So we're getting ready to hit year two, year two. So this is the Christmas special? Well, Christmas, end of year, (laughs) Hanukkah. It's a festive season. (laughs) It's it's, well, practitioner radio is festive season. So I I had a lot of fun doing uh, reverse practitioner radio. Yeah, that was a blast. That was that was good. Yeah. So hopefully people enjoyed that. So for the end of your special, Troy, I wanted to take time to kind of get your opinion and reflection. So much of Practitioner Radio is you sharing your thoughts on things you've blogged about, things you speak about, uh, the innovative ways and processes that Pink brings to the industry and more specifically to the organizations they serve. So I thought, what could we do to kind of reflect on the year? So I went ahead and using SoundCloud only, so not counting iTunes listens, where we get a majority of our audience, uh, not counting uh, blog downloads, but just raw SoundCloud. And for those of you who don't know, there's, you can go to SoundCloud.com. Troy, have you, have you ever been to our site on SoundCloud? Yeah, I actually go there. I've actually listened. That's how I get access to your other podcast. I go to that site. Cool. So um, I don't mix the blend, so I don't have any. This is my only podcast as far as I'm concerned. So uh, <laughs> so uh, it's soundcloud.com, like sound and cloud altogether.com, and practitioner radio is there. So you can, you know, if you've never checked this out, it's always the thing that's embedded in the blog, at least on my blog and in other places. And they give us metrics. So, I, Troy, I thought we'd look at the last 12 months and pick the top three shows in raw numbers and talk about those. What do you think about that? I think it's a good way to go, and it gives us an indicator. You know, what came, what you shared with me is a bit of a surprise, actually. I, I wouldn't have, uh, well, actually, two out of the three, I'm not surprised. One is interesting. I, I was, I think it would be interesting to see if we have the same interest. So uh, we're going to work from the bottom up. We're going to go from number three for the year, and then we'll, the, the last thing we'll talk about is number one for the year. And that number one for the year will be the one with the most listens on SoundCloud. So at number three, June 9th, 2012, with 400 and we'll just we'll just round up 450 listens by the time we get this airs, dealing with rogue support agents, practitioner radio 27. Okay, so just as kind of a refresher, yep. You know, we all have a support function. Every service organization has a key elemental DNA element of their service provisioning process, which is support. So it's something definitely that appeals to a great number of people. Uh, And that specific show was about, all right, I've got uh, the people, you know, I know at the service desk and the people in the back office, but many organizations work in a distributed model where there's a support agent out there somewhere, whether they're embedded on the plant floor or they're in a branch uh, for a bank 
whether they're even kind of like the super user performing that role within a business unit. It's how do you tie in these folks which are on the periphery of support into the overall process? Because in essence, they're truly the front lines, literally the front lines for many, many organizations. And many people find the challenge that they don't tend to feel themselves part of the, the central process or the overall process. They, they're they somehow separate and distinct. So that's this concept of remote support agents going rogue. And I, I think some of, I mean, I think some of those lessons um, for people listening, um, as far as the numbers go, we had uh, all the other shows were in the 300s. And then we've got some shows that were lower uh, than 300, but a majority of them were in the 300s. But, you know, this jumping right up over most of them, almost by 100. First thing I thought when I saw this statistic was how many people saw the title and said, hmm, rogue support agent, what does that mean? <laughs> and it wasn't, until I, it wasn't until I went back and actually listened to the show and then reread the notes, I thought, this, is, this one was a lot more than rogue support agents we talked about, you know, because we really got into supplier management in that show. And, and what's a group and what's a team. And I think the rogue element, it, it wasn't, we weren't talking about rogue as much as we were talking about how do you be inclusive. Yeah, well, this is, you know, this is we get into the distributed, integrated side, mm. uh, comes into the fact that we have so many players in today's service value chain, right? And many of them are external. And often we don't have a good feeling of integration between what is internal support and external support. <laughs> and there's this really kind of blind handshake handoff really, that doesn't work well at all. Mm. And as we go more external with our services or elements or components or building blocks of our service model, we use cloud in this instance or we're using an external supplier or an outsourcing arrangement over here, the complexity of our support model becomes even more challenging. And that's where we, I think we went with that conversation. Uh, so integrating external suppliers into your process governance is a, is a key point here. Yeah, I specifically you know, remembered pieces of, you know, talking about leadership, you know, as well as external models, but making people feel as though they were part of the team. And there was also some elements of the process. So were you outside the process? Were you inside the process? Were, were you inclusive? I mean, we'll put a link in the show notes. Maybe next time we'll try to play clips from the show and, and, and review highlights. But definitely, I think probably one of the, you know, obviously one of the most popular, but in retrospect, looking at the notes, it was definitely a provocative show. Well, it's because it's real for everybody, right? I was just talking to an internal organization that had grown a lot through acquisition. We're talking now internal functions, but until recently, every organization has been given its own mandate to do its own thing. But now they've, you know, they've created consolidated environments where they have con- common uh, data centers, common enterprise applications, common uh, desktop, common email, which you do when you do a lot of M&A. You basically, you can't leave it that way because you have all this redundancy, right? So to leverage your acquisition, you've got to pull all this stuff together. Well, the last thing people tend to think about pulling together is the management processes for you know having a consistent service out there. So that comes to this as well. And, and I think this was the episode too where you referred to services or I paraphrased you as a service being a base element on the periodic table. <laughs> <laughs> the service is the base element. Uh, the service is, you know, something you can get behind as a common definition mm. of what you're trying to provide, like telephony, mm. right? Or uh, email and or let's call it collaboration or enterprise resource planning or client relationship management as a service. 
But then you've got to make a lot of strategic decisions. Okay, how am I going to support that relative to the process of a break fix? How, what technologies am I going to use and leverage to consistently deliver it? All this comes to play where you're trying to bring elements which were outside of the family doing their own thing into now an inclusive team where they don't feel done upon, but they part, they feel part of. So this, this aspect of integrating people into the team versus the group that was what we were talking about. And that's key. And it's and it's probably the most difficult thing to do around consolidation projects. Yeah. Troy, you know, we talked a lot this year about business relationship management. And I, we've even touched on vendor relationship management. In that service model you talked about, especially as we look forward into the future, do you ever see a time where the service that we're supporting is teaching people how to support services? The service is the rallying point, Right. You have to agree on what your objectives are before you can agree on an approach to deliver those objectives. Right. right. It's getting that vision and mission statement defined first for an organization. Well, you can think about the service catalog, which is the tool that business relationship manager takes to talk to the customer about outcome and benefit and value. That whole definition of the service catalog is actually kind of the mission statement and miniature for that one service. So if you can get behind a collective agreement of what the service is and what attributes that service will actually deliver, then you can get behind a lot of other more difficult questions around technology, people, and process. Right? Who's going to deliver it? How are we going to deliver it? How are we going to support and sustain it? But before I can even go there, I've got to have this definition of the service defined. I mean, that's pretty astute when you think about it. Yeah, it's it's profound. You know, again, I think it, it was one of the things I thought was interesting this year was uh, it started last year, sort of at Pink 11. People actually raising their hand going, hmm, I don't even actually know what a service is. So, uh, and, you know, to come have it come full circle, uh, definitely one of those things that we need to consider moving forward as we start to collaborate a lot more. So this is interesting because for Pink 13, we collected information and research data at Pink 12. And I finally have got that into a database and I've been looking at the results. And it was all about this service orientation, the journey towards, if you want to you know, ask, you know, use that concept. And the, the, the questions I asked were around kind of three groupings. One grouping was how you doing on your process across structures, right? How you doing on your service journey, definition and ownership, and then how you doing on the integrated supplier aspect into your service value chain. And you can look at the data and it shows you that there's this trend of evolution in that order of sequence. Organizations can get their handle around a common process way before they can get there with service orientation because that, mm. that's moving from technical management and optimization to service outcome management. And that was what you were just referring to. And then the finally is after I get the services, now I know how to integrate suppliers. So you can actually plot that journey in organizational culture, even plot that journey in ITIL if you want to use that concept, right? Because ITIL version one had books on cable management as geeky as you got. Then it went on to process, you know, process for process sake. And now version three in 2011 was all about service orientation and not enough, in my opinion, on supplier uh, and integrated value chains. So you can 
you can almost plot the evolution of our industry along the same path. And, and again, Pink is, and I'm talking about the conference. Um, sorry, people, I sometimes speak in code. Uh, my mom used to say to me, Christopher, use full sentences. But the, the Pink Elephant Conference is one of those interesting touch points in our industry once a year where we, you know, gosh, if we could just get Patty Lantry, Lantry to come on the show and tell us, Patty, will you t- tell, talk to us about the sessions that get attended. Because there's probably a lot of metrics we get out of just what people are going to and what they're talking about at the conference. I hadn't even thought about that because last year we saw this big increase in things like Lean, Six Sigma, Governance. Those are topics that were kind of out there in the periphery, always existed. But what's happening is that they're all being aggregated together. The general IT psyche, DevOps, another one, right, uh, is, is pulling all this together and wanting to know more. And it's the same maturing through this kind of premise of service orientation. Okay, we need to, and for the sake of time, and I'm sorry for those who listen often who says, wait, Chris doesn't sound the same today. I'm actually uh, at my corporate headquarters doing this. Um, we need, for the sake of time, to get on to episode or, or the, the next show. Uh, but there'll be a link to dealing with uh, rogue support agents in the notes. Obviously, we don't need to convince you to listen to it. It's the number three most listened to show for this year. So a lot of people thought it was important. So significant jumps in the list are one thing. Like I said, you know, at 450-some, that, that was uh, you know, almost 100 more listens on SoundCloud alone than the next lowest show. But the jump that happens next is almost 200. So, so hovering around 640 listens, we have actually probably our most unprepared show. <laughs> it was our Pink Elephant Conference live recording in February of last year, and it was on the Service Management Office. March 4th is when we released it. Yes, that was actually a, that was a good show. And it's actually a, a hot topic in the ITSM space. We'd never, we had never recorded face-to-face. Not a recording of Practitioner Radio, you're right. No, no, that was a, it was a big deal. So yeah, hot topic, but the perfectionists when you go, why? Why was that one so popular? You listen back to it, you can tell we're in an auditorium. I mean, Ross did an amazing job, Brownhound Studios, of mixing that for us. We sound great and everything. For people to put up with that, you know, we're not echoey and stuff. The service manager office, I would say, was I saw more often uh, this past year on blogs and things. And it's really interesting. I have this this idea, although probably no one will ever be able to prove it. Literally, we say we we talk about certain topics on practitioner radio, which again, ironically, you blogged about three years ago, and then they show up all over the industry in, th- in three months. So, service management office, two thousand twelve. It's where people are at. So think about that research uh, aspect again. Process has been around for a while. You know, ITIL's been around for 20 plus years and ITIL didn't invent process, of, of course. But the reality is people have been working at getting their stuff together around change or incident or service desk or problem for a long time. And what we've seen kind of an evolution of process ownership and governance is, you know, People try and fail, and then they build upon their their past uh, trials and build better systems. So initially, they just gave somebody the title of process owner and didn't give them any additional skills or time. Just said, congratulations, you're a process owner, right? And then that didn't work so well. So they gave it to a person who they they skilled up and trained and, and enabled, but now they found that they had to give them to people who were also very talented and also because of that very used in other uh, context, so they didn't have much time. So then they eventually gave it to someone who now their own their whole job 
was to be a process owner, and that's all they did in life. But maybe they inherited one or two processes for the, you know, for the benefit of taking on more than one. But then these process owners were, you know, they were all distributed around the organization. So they started to collect them into this common group, maybe now under a senior manager leader who, you know, could rub shoulder with the big boys on the org structure. So he had the empowerment. And then this process owner group started to to have other tails grow. <laughs> you know, they started to do analysis and measurement and become the business process engineers for other projects. Uh, they they created dashboards and they became the subject matter experts and sought their ITIL expert certifications. And so you you saw the the growth and birth of this embryonic service management office. This pro- progress thing has actually probably been happening for a good period of time. And you can see it kind of grow and, and and be rebuilt and grow and rebuilt in many organizations. In fact, I've seen organizations go that far and then totally dissemble it because they wanted to do cost savings, realize they made a massive mistake and rebuild it again. Twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people seem to enjoy uh, having to recreate those types of, of things. During that show, uh, specifically, we talked about process owner critical success factors. So if you were a process owner, what did you need to be successful? We also covered process owner combinations, so the good and bad. And then uh, we touched a, a little bit on retiring legacy services and how you know if you're in a service management office, you're there. These skills and these specific topics I just mentioned, the critical success factors being, which is a link to your blog, um, but then you know, the idea of retiring one, uh, a service uh, as well as the dashboard you talked about, these are highly mature skills. Are we seeing the art and the and there was a, a post on a, a Facebook group recently that said, "Is ITSM a competency? Are we seeing the maturing of service management as a competency?" Yes. In fact, uh, we did a show on the IT operating model. Yep. Right where we talked about this evolution of this third tower. Um, where we had all these enterprise shared services kind of grouping together. And it may not have been the operating model, but it was one of the shows we did. And I had the graphics actually on the on the um, blog, on the post, where it shows how all these enterprise functions, service management office being one of them, mm-hmm. enterprise architecture, information security, internal IT audit, HR, consulting, they all kind of grouped together as core governance and well, basically governance competencies, capabilities that any organization needs to hold together their value stream. Which, uh, for those people who are listening, um, that was episode 19. And that was our last episode of 2011 was the IT operating model. Uh, and you're right, there's a, a fantastic graphic there. We'll go ahead and, and embed that in these show notes again. Because, again, this is one of those things you, you know you're not going to find in a class, you're only going to find it through uh, connective collaborative media and education. Hat tip to Chris from uh, Pink Marketing. I mean, this chart is amazing with demand management on one side, supply, and then the uh, the managing of services on one end and the managing of client relations on the other. You know, just phenomenal, phenomenal good stuff. As people start to evolve, and you talked about the decommissioning of a service management office, 
so because of funding and things. I mean, but will that sort of thing happen, or is that just the pendulum that's humanity? We just commission and decommission things. Well, it, it comes with changes in vision and changes mm. in strategy, which mm. is largely because of changes in leadership. Mm. Right? Be, just because, and people go through this, and they probably can you know, identify with this. You're set on a certain path and a road, and you make major progress, and then because of our tendency to basically change the leadership at the top every 18 to 24 months, mm. maybe 48 if you're lucky. Mm. Basically the whole whole playing table's reset mm. and the and the and true north is a different direction. So what was started and this is terrible from the point of view of government as well, you know, because that's even an elective systems designed to do that. Uh, but so what was started before and established can sometimes not be valued any longer by the new powers that be. And now they see it as a cost versus a you know a value, and a lot of organizations are 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 structured in a key performance indicator. The only one that makes sense for IT is cost reduction, right? So you know they're not going by the balanced scorecard concepts of customer sat, innovation, maturity, and finance. They just use the finance one, which means make it cheaper every year and give me my ten percent, or else you haven't developed you haven't delivered strategy. They're forced because, you know, they've gone through all the technical consolidation projects to find that blood from the stone. So they start looking at the human capital and say, okay, what can we cut? Because when you, when you don't come out of this continual cost model as the only key KPI, you're always in this cannibalistic process. Strong words for the last episode of Practitioner Radio. So, um, so again, we'll put a link to the show notes to that. That was March. So uh, June, uh, this summer, we had our, our number three show. Uh, March, going back, uh, the live recording is when we released, but that was from the Pink Elephant 2012 conference. Is there anything going on with Pink 2013, Troy, with Practitioner Radio? You got it. We're going to, we're scheduled. <laughs> yes, we are. That was, oh, that was a lead in. Yes. Join Chris and I <laughs> at Pink 13. Uh, I can't remember which morning, but it's a breakfast session. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, we get the breakfast slot. We're not popular. They, they, when we get the main stage, when David Ratcliffe says, now Chris and Troy, come up and we know we've arrived. Until then, Troy, we're just us. Hey, we had like 80 odd people sitting there by the end of breakfast. We did. Plus, I mean, you know, we're just giving SoundCloud numbers. I mean, we, we have tens of thousands of people who listen to Practitioner Radio. We both have talked through the year just from traveling. You know, people are like, say hello to Troy for me. And Somebody once I had to come out to the car to meet somebody's wife so I could do the Thunderbolt tip of the day thing. And I just, <laughs> and this woman didn't even know what we were talking about. She just enjoys us. So, whatever. So, we've got that coming up in February. So, if you are going to paint 2013, definitely come to our session. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, we'll buy you breakfast. Yeah, we'll buy you. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast on Troy and Chris. Um, number one slot. So, uh, at uh, almost 750 SoundCloud listens. So, those people who on a mobile device listened to it overall, and we look at these numbers, you know, we're up around 11,000. But it SoundCloud, good indicator. The number one episode of podcast, uh, Practitioner Radio for 2012 was released on February 7th, and it was called Culture and ITSM Transformation Projects. Culture and ITSM Transformation Projects. So, little, little little note for you, Troy. So we can talk a little bit about that episode. Uh, I gave you the date it was recorded. I'm gonna I'm gonna backpedal here. I I do do another show that's not nearly as uh, educational and focused as this one. But we did a show on ITSM Weekly in July with John Willis on DevOps and talked a lot about culture and that. And that actually was our number three show globally. So this is a hot topic: culture and ITSM. 
transformation and and gosh, just like everything else, even defining what culture, what does culture mean to you? Thoughts before we get deep dive into some of the topics we covered on that show? Yes. So the, what I what I like to say, and I'm fond of being quoted saying, is that really, we're not really doing a process project here. Uh, we're not even doing a tool project. While process definition, you know, you've got to figure out what you're going to do before you can automate it. And then automating is a major part of it. In the end, we're just asking people to change. And when we ask people to change, that's always a, a sticky wicket. Mm. So any transformation project, whether it's ITSM or anything, when we're asking people to come from a current state of operation and let that go and move to a <laughs> future state and all do it together in the same kind of way, that's that's big stuff. During, yeah, during the show, you likened it to Kubler Ross's grief model. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you have to you go from this it'll never happen to total anger, and then depression, and then final acceptance. And you, you know, the more you change through the processes you work on, the more you recurve through this. Right. So in the end, many organizations have tackled this as a tool project or even process documentation project, and have realized that they failed because they didn't actually focus on the goal. The goal was that it was a people change project. And that's a very different kettle of fish. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that we pointed out during that show that was a key success uh, indicator or one of the important factors of these transformation projects were helping people in their modes of thinking. And you, you referenced something, uh, deep, I think, deep, deep bono? Uh, think the thinking hats, the De Bono seven hats. Yeah. So, so for those who don't don't you know don't have this show right in front of them, wondering what are we talking about? So there's seven hats. Do you know what they are? Should, should I read them to you? You better read them. I can, I could probably give you about five of them right now. <laughs> All right. So we've got the white hat. The white hat calls for information known or needed. The red hat signifies feelings, hunches, or intuitions. The black hat is judgment the devil's advocate, or why something may not work. The yellow hat symbolizes brightness and optimism. The green hat focuses on creativity, the possibilities, alternatives, and ideas. And finally, the blue hat uh, is used to manage the thinking process. What is it about these hats, and why was it important for us to talk to you that day? Well, getting back to the grieving concept, right? People deal with change differently, and they all have different reactions. Mm -hmm. And all those reactions have to be validated or at least listened to. Uh, so sometimes what's helpful is you use kind of thinking processes to help people through the, the process of acceptance, through the process of resistance to acceptance, and you, you listen. But you got to compartmentalize, otherwise your meeting goes into chaos, right? <laughs> you got one person whining over here, it'll never happen. Another person shaking their fist over there and banging the table. Another person standing on the table, you know, preaching away at you. And they all have a different vision of this is good or bad, right? So you basically expect... You know, ever seen those movies where the guy passes the the talking pipe mm. <laughs> around the circle, mm. right? You can have your talk, but you've got to wait for the the talking pipe to pass to you. This allows a conversation to progress through different stages or, or feelings of of what you're changing. So, you know, basically, the facilitator says, "Okay, we got our white hats on. Let's think about this in the context of you know logic. Uh, we've got the green hats. How could this be different if we did this tomorrow? We got the the black hats. You know, okay, let's hear why you believe it'll never happen. So, you basically allow people to express themselves, but you do that within a structured facilitation. Interesting year. I, I, I do have to admit, uh, interesting year probably for Pink Elephant, interesting year for me, interesting year for you, uh, interesting year in service management, a tremendous amount of change 
Any reflection you want to do on the year as a whole? Yeah, the, the, the world is changing. Um, the IT industry we're in is in a major change. And many people are saying this now. You know, it's kind of when we moved from the mainframe era into distributed, that was massive. Mm. Then we moved into the online era and the internet era. And that's that was even, again, transformational. Now we're seeing uh, many of the predictions of Nicholas Carr around the big switch coming true where a lot of this, you know, the typical operations type tasks, the infrastructure type tasks, standard enterprise application type service outcomes are moving outside the inside IT function. So there's major shifts in how IT is actually going to be sustaining the future. And we're seeing those those shifts already coming to fruition right now. But the problem is we're in that cusp of the change Mm -hmm. and some people are in denial Right, actually, take the Kubler Ross. Mm. Some people are saying it'll never happen. <laughs> right? Some people are going uh, uh, denial. Some people are basically in that concept of of negotiation, saying where can they find their their new spot. Some people are totally depressed because they th- they see the world they knew slipping away. Some people are embracing it and moving already. In 2012 into 2013, we are in one of those transitional years to a new type of IT, a business focused outcome IT, a commoditized aspect of many of the traditional things that many people have made a living at, there's this major shuffle happening. All the things we talk about are very true still, but there's different goals. Like I was talking to Fatima about this the other day. Before we were talking about process and maturity and quality. Now people want to talk value, consistency, speed, flow, velocity, uh, efficiency, they want to talk more concept of, you know, the value outcome versus the process itself. You can still use everything we talk about, but the the conversation of how it's used is, is differing. One of the things I found interesting as a creator of content, you know, one of my hats that I wear, is that I found in 2012, people demanded answers. If you just created content that had you know, talking points, and I don't want to use, you know, the term buzzwords. It was interesting. I mean, you'd have a few people, but the con- but the, the pieces of content, whether it had been uh, a presentation I would do or a conference that I would attend, and Pink's always been very, very strong around content at their conferences, is this, this demand, give me answers. Give me answers now. I think mean, that's part of the internet economy we've created right yeah people demand immediate answers they they don't have patience uh it's all this a we become add listen when's the last time you wrote a 30 page white paper uh, well the idea of it makes me nervous so i can't <laughs> uh, i mean i'm consuming my favorite thing to consume right now are the baseline articles that i read which are like five slides yeah, I, I tweet those a lot. <laughs> you, yeah, you well, you tweet out a lot of those. They're really good, right? But that's the level of consumption we've come down to. I used to write those things, right? So, um, the big papers. Well, it's funny because you know, those all those big papers always have an executive summary, and I'm pretty sure if we were actually honest with ourselves, most people read that and then made a decision on if they should read the rest of it or not. Well, this research paper that I talked about earlier about, if it's more than four pages, mostly pictures, it's it's you know it's not going to be read. Interesting. Uh, 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 Troy, a little tip for you. I don't ever give you tips on the air. I don't know why I'm doing, doing this now, but I've already said it out loud, so there you go. Bring it on. Uh, I found a really unique project online. It's called Beyond Literacy. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but in case you want to scratch it down now while we're on the air. Okay, Beyond Literacy. It's, it's a, this guy who's, who's studying on what does it mean to be literate anymore. 
you know, and, and it, it, these rules and ideas are, are really radical. I mean, indeed, and that's, uh, that's a lot for me to say because I'm pretty radical. <laughs> well, think about the, the skills we're losing, though, the analytical skills, the, uh, the skills to have deep thought, uh, the ability to even write well, oh, yeah. uh, we're, we're punctuating and we're, we're collapsing everything into tech for, you know, characters that'll fit in a tweet. Yeah. Uh, my children are not even taught how to, uh, to use, um, Cur- write any cursive? longer. Cursive, you know, cursive yeah. writing is not no longer even a skill they teach in school. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was in South Carolina and someone said to me, oh, my, my kid doesn't know how to sign his name. I'm like, what do you mean? Does not sign. They don't teach cursive. I'm like, well, how, what does the signature look like? They just write their name. I'm like, Oh, that's not, it just blew my mind. What it's interesting, but not as interesting as what is about to happen, Troy. You're going to give me the tip. What? How, how do I do a tip? Okay, I'll give you a tip. <laughs> <laughs> it's All time right. for Troy's end of year Thunderbolt tip of the day. It, it, it doesn't right. it just. It can be an easy tip. It's the end of the year. Relax. You know what? Stay with Chris and I as we explore 2013 because our world's changing, and uh, you know, explore that with us as it does. That's a beautiful tip. Explore that with us. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support over the last two years as we head into the start of year three, technically, uh, on Practitioner Radio. We start that year. uh, And we hope to see a lot of you at Paint, but we will talk to you, at you, with you, around you in January. Thanks so much, everyone. Be well. Be well.